Well, it is a good morning to be together and to worship God across all our sites. And uh, this has actually been a really big week here at Compass. Uh, in addition to the ongoing groups and ministries and programs, uh, we've had the privilege this week uh, of hosting a retreat in daily life. The RDL is a retreat designed around scripture and prayer that people experience in the midst of their daily life. Now, normally, when you go on retreat, you go on retreat. You, you, you go away somewhere. And so it's quite different to actually seek after God in the midst of the, the rigors and the routine of life. But I think that there's some real transferable benefits to pursuing God that way. Uh, we had nearly 60 participants, uh, from mostly from here at Compass, but uh, also from right across Ontario. We had a director from Winnipeg, another from Prince Edward Island. And we were all united together in a, with a common desire for a deepening walk with God and growth in our faith in Christ. And we had a commitment to God's word, united by the love of God and an openness to the Holy Spirit. And yesterday during our closing session, we had some incredible testimonies of what God did in the lives of others as they sought after him. And I think there's going to be some wonderful harvest that comes from what God planted in people's lives this week. And I share that just so that you know that, that God is doing some good things, some great things uh, here in our midst. The Spirit is, is on the move, and we, uh, we just say, Lord, whatever you have for us, we want to be open to receiving that. And this morning, I want to continue with the theme of prayer and to talk about prayer, because prayer is one of our core values here at Compass. We are committed to relentless prayer. That's what we've set as our goal. It's a challenge we've put before us. And we've done that because we know that prayer is critically important. It is the oxygen for the spiritual life. It's the manner in which we communicate with, to God. It's how we tap into his love and to his power. But most of us not only would admit that prayer is important, we would also confess that our prayers are not what we wish they were, that we don't pray the way we wish we could. In fact, sometimes when I need prayer, I go looking for someone else to pray. And there is something beautiful about praying together, but there's also a confession in there that sometimes um, I, I don't know if I have the confidence in my own prayers. I want to pray like Jesus. In a couple of weeks, we begin our journey to Easter, and as a church, we want to begin in prayer. We want our first step to be, pray, uh, to be praying together as a church, and that's why on February 22nd, we're going to gather to worship and to pray and to listen for God's voice and to reflect on his love and to ask for his healing grace. It is in Jesus and through the cross that our ultimate and eternal healing is found. Isaiah 53, 3 says of Jesus, but he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that has brought us peace was placed upon him. And by his wounds, we are healed. Each one of us needs healing. Some of us need healings in our body. For others, it's hurt minds wounded hearts, hurt and division within ourselves, within our families, within our relationships. Our church needs healing. 
And we especially need God's healing in divided communities and in our land. So we're going to meet together and we are going to pray. But more than just praying, I want to ask this morning if you would join fasting to that prayer. Because prayer and fasting go together. It's kind of like bacon and eggs, thunder and lightning, salt and pepper, ladies and gentlemen, Romeo and, exactly, Juliet. Try one without the other and something is missing. Fasting and prayer go together. Fasting is the fuel of prayer. It empowers our focus, our commitment, and our passion. And yet so often it's not part of our daily routine. It's not part of our discipline. But when we come to the Bible, we find fasting mentioned no fewer than 77 times. You think that God would be trying to mention something to us. 77 times, and it's almost exclusively partnered with prayer. There is a profound and powerful connection between the two. I spoke about fasting a couple of years ago, and afterwards a few of you took uh, me up on the challenge of regularly fasting, and I've heard some testimonies about what that has done in your life and in your, uh, in your circumstances. And so this morning I want us to revisit and to be reminded again of this incredible discipline and the gift that it is for us. If I were to stand this morning and say to you, I have something that could revolutionize your faith walk and your prayer experience, you might say, what is it? Is it a book? Is it a, is a, is it a certain kind of prayer? Is it a, a, something I could download? And this isn't something you take on. It's something that you give up for the sake of God, and it's incredibly powerful. And we find it taught to us by Jesus himself in Matthew chapter 6, and I'd love for you to open up your Bible there. Matthew chapter 6, beginning in verse 16. And, and as you find that, Let me give you a formal definition of spiritual fasting. Fasting is the voluntary withdrawal from any pleasurable and or vital activity for a period of time in order to intensely pursue God and know his mind with the intent of obeying his revealed will. Let me just say that again. A voluntary withdrawal from any pleasurable and or vital activity for a period of time in order to intensely pursue God and know his mind with the intent of obeying his revealed will. This is not about going on a diet. It's not about a cleanse for the day. It's not about trying to lose weight. It's, it's about giving something up, something good, temporarily, with the express purpose of drawing near to God. In the Bible, normally fasting involved abstaining from food, not eating. And there are examples in the Bible of partial fasts, water and vegetables only, or total fasts, food and water. Daniel fasted from meats. He ate only vegetables. Samson fasted from wine. We can fast from dessert, from conversation, from entertainment, from gaming, from talk radio, from social media. The point isn't what you give up. It's why you give it up. You give it up in order to connect with God. In the gospel, just after he was baptized, we see Jesus going into the wilderness to fast and pray for 40 days. Now, sometimes we think that Jesus went into the wilderness so that he would kind of get uh, depleted, but it's not the case at all. He goes into the wilderness to get strong, 
And we see Jesus' greatest victory over evil when he comes against the temptation of the devil, where the devil puts the whole world before him and he stands on God's word because he was strong, because he had fasted and he was in union with God the Father through fasting. He was attuned to God's voice and, his, and focused on God's word. And he leaves us an example and instructions on how we ought to fast. Here in Matthew chapter 6, he says this in verse 16, When you fast... Do not look somber like as the hypocrites do, for they disfigure their faces to show men that they are fasting. I tell you the truth, they have received their reward in full. But when you fast, put oil on your head and wash your face so it will not be obvious to men that you are fasting, but only to your Father who is unseen. And your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. I think one of the key parts of this passage is where Jesus says, doesn't say if you fast, he says when you fast. He assumes that as his followers, we will do this. Just like with prayer and with helping the poor and with the other things that Jesus lays out for us for what it means to follow him, so it is with fasting. It is a discipline that he expects us to do. I think sometimes when we come to our spiritual life, we put things in different kind of categories. There's kind of like the, the essential box and then there's the non-essential box. Good, but not, not, not necessary all the time. Well, I think as Jesus comes to us and he says, if, not when, I think he's placing fasting firmly in the essential box. He moves this discipline of, of fasting, securely places it in the same box as prayer, which I think we would all agree is essential. We fast because Jesus tells us to fast. And because he leaves us an example of fasting. If you want to be more like Jesus, do the things that Jesus did. Live your life as if Jesus was living your life for you. What would he do? What would he call you to do? And just begin to live that out. Author Wesley Dooley, a 20th century Christian writer, said this, We, give, we have no more right to admit fasting from our spiritual lives because we feel no special emotional prompting then we have to omit prayer bible reading or assembling of god's children because we feel no special prompting Fast, fasting is just as biblical and a normal part of the life of obedience to god as all these others so if jesus calls us to fast then why don't we hear more about it i think there's a bunch of reasons for that some of them are, I think, first of all, some of you fasting is something that's symbolic. It's ritualistic. It may be a historical thing. I mean, in the Old Testament, they were really bad. You know, they, they would sin bad, and they, the, the entire nation would, and God would come with a word of judgment, and then they would fast. It's kind of a, an Old Testament kind of thing. And yet we see Jesus fasting, and in the book of Acts, we see the early church fasting as well. So it's not just a historical thing. It's not just a spiritual thing. It's a physical thing, and it's a thing for today. For others, we sometimes have this association of fear, like we're worried about what does it mean if I'm going to deny myself food and comfort? That just seems a little bit extreme. Still, for others, they may, not lack, the, they may lack the understanding. What is this really all about? Because we live in a culture where this is completely countercultural. We live in a culture that celebrates comfort and convenience and the idea of denying yourself seems just out of step. And then there's a segment of us that are aware that fasting is important. 
but we just don't like the thought of it. Or we say, you know what, I'm going to do it someday. I'll try it next Friday. (laughs) And we just don't make it happen. And sometimes we're tempted to look the other way, to dig in our heels, to resist God's invitation for another day. And I don't know where you sit this morning or how you respond to this. Maybe you're a pro at this and you could be teaching each one of us. But if you are in a place where you want to see God do something great in your life, in our church, in our community, then I encourage you to follow the teaching and the example of Christ and engage in this rich and powerful discipline. And from God's word this morning, we're going to look at why we fast, when to fast, and how we fast. We start with why do we fast? Like, why do, what's the purpose of this? And I want to give you some suggestions. What does it accomplish for us? Well, first of all, fasting focuses our attention on God. Our fasting must be done under God's direction because when it is, our eyes are pulled up to his gaze. We focus in on him and we get our eyes off what's going on in our regular life, our struggles and our circumstances, and we look into the radiant gaze of our Savior. In Zechariah chapter 7, God responds to the fast of the people and he says, why did you fast on to me? It's like God is saying, you've got my attention. What do you want of me? And our goal in our fasting should be to focus on and glorify God, our Father in heaven. That is why Jesus encouraged us most of the time to fast in secret. Don't let others know. Let God know. He will see you and he will respond. This is about your personal worship of God. Second, fasting declares our dependency on God. God, everything is in your hands. Everything I have ultimately comes from you. You are the only one. And so, so God, I trust in you. Colossians chapter 1 says that in Christ, all things hold together. And so fasting as an act of faith declares that you know that God is the one who gives and sustains life. And you're fasting, you're saying, God, I am mindful that unless you provide it, I have nothing. You have given me my job my business, my life, my family. I'm just a steward of what you've given to me. Thank you for what you have provided. And I trust you to provide for all of my needs. Third, fasting settles our mind to hear from God. It quiets things down. You know, there are incredible physical benefits from fasting. Our body is designed to cleanse itself Because when we eat, we take in all kinds of things. Not just good things, but also through our food and through our medicines and through our, uh, we take on toxins, we take on all kinds of things. And when we fast, we're able to release those things. Our bodies are able to be cleansed of those things and they are washed away. Well, the same thing needs to happen in our mind. God, would you just cleanse my mind and get the toxins and the sins and the distractions out of there and let me be focused in on you and I want to be able to hear from you. So we started out with a fairly formal definition. Let me give you a far easier one to remember this by. Fasting is about giving up something good to gain something that's infinitely better. That's what it's about. God, I want to give up something good and I know it's good, but I know that you have something better for me. I love watching the sport of auto racing. And just a few weeks from now, we have the Daytona 500. 
February 19th. You might be far more of an F1 kind of fan, and you love following this, um, the circuit as well. Not only is racing entertaining, but I actually think it provides a bit of a spiritual uh, metaphor for, the, for our, our, faith, our faith in a hectic, fast-paced world as well. Because there's one simple truth in racing. The lighter the car, the faster it goes. I think the same thing is true with us. And I think God gives us tools to help us lighten up ourselves. Like confession. Um, like surrender. Like worship. And like fasting. God, I want to I lighten up. I want the spiritual discipline to come so that you can take these things out of my life that shouldn't be there so I can run fast after you. I want to be free and blessed by you. So that's why we should fast. And there's so many other reasons. And I hope that in uh, your groups this week, you will talk a little bit more about that. But when should you fast? Like, when should we do this? I think you should fast when you need God's wisdom. When you need God's guidance in a certain situation um, where you're facing a major direct, uh, decision, fast over it. Maybe it's a, a change in career. Or maybe it's a move, or an addition to the family. Or you're deciding, where should I go to school? Whether to marry, whom to marry, a, a situation at work. Maybe it's a difficult situation you're in, and you have to make some decisions. Maybe it's the direction of our church, and what's happening here. Are there things that are so important that you're willing to fast over? Situ situations where you're saying, you know, this is so important to me. Not only am I going to pray about it and dedicate it to God, I'm going to, I'm going to for a day, for a few days, for a week, uh, regularly, I am going to fast and pray for my business, for my family, for my life, for our church. God gives us these tools so that we can dedicate ourselves to him and so that we can seek after him in wisdom. Because when we do so, we are declaring that we are open to God's instruction and that he would give it generously to us. The book of James says, if any of you lack wisdom, you should ask of God, who generously gives without finding fault, and it will be given to them. This is far different than just kind of human-based problem-solving, trying to find our own solution. This is about asking God for His direction, His intervention, communicating that I'm open. Lord, I want you to tell me what's on your mind and what's on your heart. I want you to be at work in my circumstances so that with confidence I can know this is the way of God and I will walk in it. Often we are afraid to seek God's wisdom because, if we, again, if we were honest, we kind of have it figured out the way we want it anyhow. Like, this is where I want it to go. This is how I want this situation to be resolved. And maybe, just maybe, if I totally surrender it to God, he might take us in a different situation. He might have a different answer. But we need to understand and trust and believe that God is for us. And he will not direct us in a way that does not ultimately lead to our blessing and to his glory. So when you need wisdom, fast and pray. We should also fast when we're spiritually weak, when God seems distant, when you've struggled to connect with him. And there are so many reasons why we come into seasons of desolation. Sometimes a season of desolation or when God just seems far away, it might just be, you know, kind of a rhythm of life or circumstances that you're in. 
It might be spiritual attack. It might be a result of sin or willful disobedience. It doesn't matter why you find yourself in that season, but if you find yourself in a place where you feel spiritually weak or maybe far away, fast and let God see that discipline as a tangible request for help, for him to draw close. That you want the distractions and the temptations that pull you away to be removed so that you can move closer to him. Fast is an incredible act of worship because it's done quietly, often to an audience of one. And that's why fasting and prayer are linked together, because we are denying the body in order to feed the soul. I want to encourage you to turn back to Psalm 109. Right in the middle of your Bible, Psalm 109, because we have, there's all kinds of different verses on fasting you could go to. This is one you might not think about. Psalm 109 is an unpleasant psalm. It's a troubling prayer. That's what this is. It's a prayer of David, and I'm telling you, it's not G-rated. David is literally calling down the wrath of God from heaven, and he's asking it to land squarely on the head of his enemies. He's involved in spiritual warfare here. He's had enemies who have literally come to take his life, and his enemies are evil, and they have left him physically and spiritually empty, despondent and weak. And so what does David do? He cries out to God in prayer in Psalm 109, and it's a prayer of de- deliverance. He's asking for God to come in and do what only God can do. But don't miss out on this. Look at verse 24. My knees give way from fasting. My body is thin and gaunt. In this spiritual wasteland, David partners his prayer with fasting, and we can do the same in ours. Fasting is is, is a place where we can spiritually nourish on the bread of life, Jesus himself, when we are spiritually malnourished and starving for his presence in our life. And so fasting is a place of honesty where we say, you know what, God? I'm empty. I'm far away. I'm tempted. I'm not where I want to be. God, would you help me? I need your intervention. I can't do this on my own. I need you. And God will run to us. And he will strengthen us. And he will comfort us and he will guide us and he will provide for us what we need. So when you're spiritually weak, don't run from God, run to God. Third, fast when you're preparing to serve God. Before Jesus enters his public ministry, we see him fasting. In the book of Acts, before the church made a major decision, before they sent out missionaries, before they sent out Paul and Barnabas and the others, they would fast and pray. In Acts chapter 13, it says, Then they fasted and and prayed and laid their hands on them and sent them off. And those they sent literally changed the world. The flame of the gospel was lit by the match of prayer, ignited by the discipline of fasting. And it's just such a small echo of that, an example of that. But in, in February 22nd, we're calling people to pray. But imagine in your own life, in your own circumstances, in your own situation, if you linked that with fasting. What would happen if you prayed that way for those in your family or your small group or for our church? 
for our kids who are le uh, learning together in Compass Kids, if we fasted for our students or for our missionary partners, if we fasted for our church and for our communities and said, God, would you use us? Would you use our ministries? Would you do what only you could do? Would, could you, would you bring about the transformation of our communities? Before we serve, we need to dedicate ourselves to prayer and to fasting and asking God to do what only he can do and to use us to help change the world. Finally, Fast when you want God to do something great. Breakthrough. God, I want a breakthrough. It's a military concept. It's when one army weakens the enemy's forces so much that it comes to the point of collapse. And then that allows you to move in and take the enemy's territory. Well, as followers of Jesus, we have an enemy. And we are engaged in a spiritual battle for territory and the stakes are high. And a powerful weapon to weaken the hold of the enemy is the territory of, and take new territory is the discipline of fasting. We see this in the book of Daniel. Daniel chapter 10. Dan, we find Daniel in prayer and he's praying for revelation from God. He doesn't know what's going on, but he's seeking God through prayer and through fasting. In fact, we are told later that there is a spiritual battle going on because eventually Daniel is visited by an angel. And the angel tells him, I was delayed from coming for 21 days because I was in a battle. There was something going on in the spiritual realm. And even though Daniel is unaware of it, his fasting and his prayers are used by God to provide that breakthrough. Do you want to see someone come to faith in your life, someone that you care about? If you want to see someone come back and draw closer to God, fast and pray for them. Are you praying for someone's healing? Or maybe your own? Partner that prayer with fasting. Are you desperate to see revival in our church and in our community and across our land? Are you willing to fast and pray that God would do what only he can do? Do you need God to rescue you and provide deliverance from a difficult situation or provide for a significant need? Maybe you need God's help to walk free from an addictive behavior or someone that you love does. Use all the resources that are available to you, but don't neglect the greatest resource of all, which is God himself. Fast and pray that God would do something great. It's not the magic bullet. This isn't about manipulating God so that we get what we want. It's about surrendering to God and, and, and asking God to provide what you need and to join you in the midst of the battle, providing a weapon that God gives us for spiritual breakthrough. I know that many of you are praying for circumstances in your life where you need a breakthrough. I know that many of you are praying for me and for my own need for healing in my body and in my life. I want to encourage you, whatever you're praying for, to pray and to fast and to seek after God. If you ever get a chance to go to Jerusalem and go to the Western Wall, if you see images from there, you will notice that the Orthodox Jews will pray 24-7. And as they are praying at the wall, they're, they're moving all the time. They're always moving, almost kind of bowing to the wall. And you think, what is that? Well, it actually has a term for it. It's called shuckling. They're shuckling before God. They're moving while they pray. And why are they doing that? They're doing that to help focus their attention, 
They're doing that to provide endurance for their prayers and so that they can pray minute after minute, even hour after hour. But they're also doing it because they are seeking for God to hear their prayer. Lord, notice me. Notice my situation. See my heart that's dedicated to you. And Lord, would you have mercy? Would you intervene? Would you do the miraculous? Would you do what only you can do? I need you, God. Look at me and hear my prayer. And I know that you can do something great. That's what fasting does as well. It doesn't mean that God will always give you what you want when you ask for it, but it does mean that you will catch his attention. You will, be, you will capture his loving gaze. The scriptures give us the beautiful promise that if we seek God wholeheartedly, we will find him. And that his eyes look to and fro across the world looking for those who are wholly dedicated to him. So when you fast, expect God to do what only God can do in your life and in your circumstances. So I want to just finish by getting real practical. How do you fast? How do you do this? If you say, okay, I'm in. Well, in the Bible, the normal means of fasting means to abstain from food for a certain period of time. But remember, the point isn't what you give up, it's why you give it up. It's in order to pursue God. We give up physical pleasure because we, we are physical creatures and we tend to crave those things. That's why, you know, fasting broccoli is not going to help most of you. It's something that you want. It's something that you crave. It's something that you're willing to give up. It involves self-discipline. It involves giving things away. We're denying, we're, not, we're denying the flesh in order to feed the spirit. And fast, fasting brings us back to a little bit more balance because we, if we were honest, we would say most of our life, we are just consumers. We just take more. So the first thing you need to do, here's some basic guidelines. First of all, you need to determine um, why you will fast. What's the purpose? Why am I going to do this? What are you specifically seeking from God? Maybe this is about expressing repentance or developing self-discipline, or desiring God's presence in a deeper way, or asking for God's intervention to do something, to prepare you, to heal somebody. Just determine why you're going to fast, and write it out. God, this is why I'm fasting. Second, declare what you will fast. What are you giving up? Food? Coffee? I have a friend who regularly will fast, and what he will do, he will fast for longer periods of time. He gives up food, and he actually only drinks soup broth and just very simple liquid diets throughout his week. So he gives up solid foods for the time of prayer. My suggestion is whatever you decide to give up, start small. Don't say, you know what, I'm going for a week, here we go. Like, you, will, you won't make it till noon. Um, start small and then add to it as you, grow, as you grow in this discipline. And if there are medical reasons why you should not fast from food, then don't. There are all kinds of ways that we can fast. We can fast entertainment and media and news and politics and talking and texting. All kinds of other things. That, and I bet some of those things are actually way harder than food. Third, decide how long is your fast going to be. Is it just going to be lunch for the week? And you're going to take that, uh, that time you would eat lunch and you're going to pray. Or is it a day? Or three days? Is it a week? 
Again, start small and just begin to build it up. Maybe you want to practice this once or twice before we come into the Easter journey. And when you fast, pray. Pray for unity. Pray for our church. Pray for protection. Pray for God's provision. Pray for God's renewal. Pray against the work of the enemy. Pray for others who are suffering physically. Because we know that ultimately one day, we sang about it today, we will sing the hymn of heaven. God's kingdom will come in its fullness. And we are praying, God, we want to see your kingdom come here and now. As it will be in heaven. And so I want to encourage you to consider fasting on Wednesday, February 22nd. Because it's as good a day as any. And think about who you might fast for and who might join you in that fast. Maybe it's a friend or someone in your home group and you can do it together and you can learn to fast. And if you're fasting for someone or for a circumstance, ask God if you should tell that person that. Or maybe you just want to keep it a total secret just between you and God. Remember this, even if you struggle with this, even if you fail, even if you feel like you mess up but your motives are pure, God will see and God will notice and God will respond. And fourth, delight in the experience of fasting. Jesus says, don't go around going, oh, it's so hard. Like, enjoy it. You know, enjoy the experience. Be honest. Like, it's hard. And you're like, I'm hungry. Or, man, I, I, I said I wasn't going to pick up my phone. I picked it up four times. Every time you realize you got it, put it back down again. And every time you put it down, say, God, help me to be disciplined in the midst of this. Enjoy the experience. And I'm telling you, you might suffer from hunger, headaches, and fatigue. It's okay. There might even be spiritual attack that comes. It might be a little more intense. But know this. The, the reason that happens is because our enemy understands the power of prayer and fasting. But if you resist and if you stand with God, you will, in the midst of it, you will rejoice over it because God will honor it. While fasting may not be pleasant, I'm telling you, it is beautiful. In Luke 2, we are told that a leader of the temple named Anna worshipped and fasted and prayed night and day, and it was a joy for her to seek after God. She sets us a beautiful example, and that's the purpose of the fast. It's not about drawing attention to ourselves. It's not even about getting our prayers answered. It's about delighting ourselves in God and having God delight in us. John Piper in his book, Hunger for God, says this, If we don't feel strong desires for the manifest glory of God, it's not because we have drunk deeply and are satisfied. It's because we've nibbled so long at the table of the world. Our soul is stuffed with small things and there's no room for the great. Fasting removes the barriers that prevent intimacy with God. Fasting might just be the thing that we need to bring spiritual breakthrough. Because when we fast, we look at all the things the world offers and we say, no thank you. And we look at the beautiful things that God offers and we say, could I have a little more? We satisfy ourselves on the love and the power and the grace of God. And through fasting, we lighten up and we empty up so we can be filled up with the grace and love of God. It's giving up something good to receive something better. You know, Jesus didn't go to the cross to have an arm's length relationship with you. He wants to be involved in your life, in the details of your life. He cares about what you care about. 
He is with you in the midst of it. So in love, God gives us these tools, these disciplines to allow us to open up our life and to draw closer to him. And these disciplines are there. And as we incorporate them into our life, as we follow the way that Jesus lived, we not only get connected with God, we become increasingly aware of his presence with us in our day-to-day and in our every moment. So here's my, uh, here's my challenge for you. Here's what I'd love for you to do. On your way uh, out, I'd love for you to go to the information table and you can pick up our, our, our talking points. Um, this week, it's all about questions about fasting. You can also download these off our website. They're right there under messages. You can pick them up. And I would love for you to study a little bit more. Get into God's word and read what it has to say on your own or maybe as a family, with friends, or in your home group. And I would love for you to take a look at that this week. We also have produced uh, uh, another simple resource that's there, and you can pick it up or you can download it, which, which just talks about what is fasting. And it's just a little bit more of an explanation because this seems to be a forgotten discipline in most of our life. And so pick it up or download it, read it through. It is chocked full of information about fasting and about what God's Word has to say about it. And then third, just do it. Like, just pick a time and a place and a where and a when and fast. Maybe it is February 22nd that we join together and we do this together. Or maybe it's another time between now and then. But just go ahead and do it together. Let's learn the beautiful discipline of fasting and prayer so that we can draw close to God and walk with Him and have victory in our life. Let's pray together. Oh Lord, you are so, so good. You not only have saved us, but you, you desire to come close to us. And for us to, and to have us come close to you, you want to be involved in the details of our lives. And we confess, Lord, that we are so content often just to keep you at arm's length. We believe, but we don't always pursue. And I pray, Lord, that even today you would stir us up and you would put within us a commitment to pursue you. Through the various disciplines of silence and solitude and study and prayer. But I pray, Lord, amongst our church, you would stir up the discipline of fasting, that we would see spiritual breakthrough in our lives, in our families, in our church, and in our community. And Lord, we want to see you do what only you can do. We want to see your kingdom come and your will be done in our lives, in our church, in our families. We want to see the miraculous. We want to say, look what God has done. And we want to walk closely with you. So Jesus, as we follow after you, would you teach us how we might live in union with God the Father, with you and with the Holy Spirit, in whose name we pray. Amen.